How's everybody this morning? Awesome. Awesome. Looking forward to the start of a new school year. Am I right? Y'all ready? Oh, y'all enjoying summer then. That's good. Awesome. Um, I do want to throw this announcement at you as well. And this is something uh, new for us as a church that we'll get to do is coming up the week of August the 6th through August the 13th. Uh, I just felt the Lord leading me to call our church to a week of prayer as we step into the fall season from the 6th through the 13th. And there'll be some, some more information coming out about that. You know, the beginning of the year, we always do a time of prayer and fasting. But I really felt like the Lord led me to call the church to a time of prayer. But instead of it being prayer and fasting, we're going to call it seven days of prayer and a feast. Yeah. Seven days of prayer. And then on the last day, the 13th, it's going to be a feast. So she stole a little bit of the thunder from the announcement when she told you about the jambalaya. But anyway, we're going to eat. It's all right, babe. It's going to be all right. Uh, so that'll be coming up uh, starting on the 6th. And so I, we'll, we'll give you some more information going into it. We'll put some stuff on the website. And what I would like to do is each day have a different prayer focus for us going through the week as we prepare for the fall. I feel like this is a time for us to get back in order after a busy summer. You know what I'm saying? Get back in order and get focused going into a new school year, but also getting focused spiritually because there's some things God wants to do in your life. Do you believe that? Come on, we can't just run around, you know, just keeping it loose all the time. We got to tighten up and say, all right, Lord, let's get down to business. Speaking of business, let's go to the scripture today. Y'all got enough of me advertising what's going on. You want to hear a word, am I right? Got a few scripture I'm going to read to you today. And I don't believe I will finish this message today, but it's going to be all right. Uh, when I was when I began to write this message, I thought it was going to be for just today, but there's layers, and I just want to make sure to communicate all of it to you as the Lord is giving it to me. But the book of James chapter 4, verse 6 is where we will start today, and then we're going to jump to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and then we're going to jump to John chapter 1. And I'm going to teach you some things today that I really think is going to make a difference in your life. James chapter 4, verse 6, and this part is just enough for us. And he gives grace generously. That is so much better than how we give grace. He gives grace generously. And as the scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but he gives what? Grace to the humble. He opposes the proud, but he gives grace generous grace, unbelievable amounts of grace to the humble. That's a good verse, am I right? That's just a part of it. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And this is the Apostle Paul who wrote this, and I love how he says it. He says this in verse 7, even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God, I, I, I just wish I can hear the tone. I don't know if he's bragging or if he just like, hey, I just, you know, God's given me some wonderful revelations. But he says, even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God, 
So to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh. And God forgive you for thinking about somebody right now who might be a thorn in your flesh. Come on. Stop thinking about them. Say, Lord, forgive me real quick. Just say, Lord, forgive me. I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan. And you thought about him again. (laughs) To torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. And each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Somebody needed that verse. Let's go one more. John chapter 1, verse 14 through 18. We're going to go to the NIV version. Let's make it a little bit more intense, shall we? John chapter 1, verse 14. The word, capital W, that means it's a person, and that person is Jesus, by the way. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So good. And John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. And someone just now went, What? Let me read that again. He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Mm -hmm. And out of his fullness, we have all received grace, say grace, but watch this, in place of grace. We have all received grace and we all go with that, but it says grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. Today, I want to speak a message entitled, Grace in Place. Grace in Place. Let us pray. Jesus, thank you that there is grace in this place tonight. And I just pray for every person that is going through it that is struggling inwardly or struggling outwardly. Every person that is overwhelmed, every person that's just trying to figure it out. Lord, we need your grace. We say it today. So we humble ourselves, God, before you and say we need you. Nobody's next few moments, God, as we talk about your grace, I pray it won't just be a topic. But God, I pray for your touch in this place today. Lord, I need you to help me do this. I need your help to communicate this today so it doesn't sound like me, but it sounds like you. Jesus, have your way in this place, I pray today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Have you ever seen someone who was going through a lot and uh, they were carrying a lot 
and you just could not figure out how in the world do they do it. Come on, how many of y'all know that person? Where it's like they are taking one thing and then they take another and it's like they're still going. How do they keep taking the hits? How do they continue to keep going? They have loss after loss. They have challenge after challenge. And it seems like everything bad continues to happen to them. And yet, when you look at them from the outside, it gives the appearance like nothing's happening. Come on, how many of y'all ever met somebody like that? And it's like, I want to be like that when I grow up. That's the person I want to be. I know a few people who are like that. And, and it's just, it's mind-blowing to see what they are able to endure. And the only explanation that I can give for a person to be able to endure and to walk through those things, it is only by the grace of God. Can I hear an amen? I promise you, people are good and people are strong. But let's just be honest, we ain't that strong. We think we're strong, and we give this outward image, this outward appearance that we're strong, but we have some moments. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Some moments. Maybe when we're all alone in the car and no one else is around, that's where we break down. You know what I'm saying? But I ain't breaking down in front of anybody else. But this ain't working, Lord. You need to either take this away or take me away. Do something. This ain't working. And then people come around, and it's like, it's good. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. How are you? I'm doing great. You know what I'm talking about? And I think there's more people like that. And I think the only way that we're able to endure this stuff, honestly, is the grace of God. And today, I'm going to talk to you about having grace in place. And so I'm going to start out with an illustration. And I want you to know that I love, I absolutely love to eat steak. Can I get an amen from any human being? If you're a vegetarian in here today, this message will probably offend you, but I'm thankful that it's on the grace of God. You've got to forgive us, so here we go. I love to eat steak. And I want to show you a picture of the kind of steak that I like to eat. Throw that picture up here. Just throw it up there. Look at that. Mm. Mm, porterhouse. Two sides. <laughs> Two sides. Come on, some of you right now are starving, and you're like, Pastor Wade, you are leading me into temptation. Even the vegetarians right now are like, deliver me from evil. <laughs> I love to eat steak, and uh, as great as this picture looks, and don't take it off. Leave it up there, okay? <laughs> don't take it off till I tell you, okay? As great as that picture looks, here's the reality. You can't smell it. Some of you are imagining the smell, though, right now. You know, I am too, man. I can smell it. That little char on the edge. Oh, Jesus. Holy ghost. Am I right? Come on, TJ. TJ's got the look. He's already gone into a meat coma, and he hasn't even eaten it yet. Oh, I love it, man. You can't smell it. You can only imagine what it smells like. Uh, you can't taste it. But you're recalling that good steak that you had that one time? How many, how many of y'all are doing that? You remember, man. You're just like, hmm. And, 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 and like you're, you're salivating right now and just thinking about the taste of it. And I hope I'm stirring something in you right now. And uh, as great as that picture is, guess what? You can't touch it. MC Hammer can't touch this. I threw it in there just to throw a dad joke. Can't eat it. 
I can only look at it and draw conclusions. I can only look at it and assume what it would be like, what it would taste like, how great it would be. I can only look at it and try to describe it with all of the senses that it evokes whenever I look at it, reminded of something that I've tasted before. It cannot be experienced. It can only be looked at, described, and I can do my best to try to describe it to you, to break it down for you, to convince you how good it really, really is. And you may believe me to a degree, but until you taste it for yourself, you won't know really how good it is. And as I was preparing this message, I begin to think this is where people are when it comes to the grace of God, because we have a picture of it in our mind, but we don't get to experience, watch this, the fullness of it, because we're better at describing God and all of his goodness than living for God and walking in his goodness. We're able to, um, let's say it like this, testify about something that we have seen and something that we have heard. But can I tell you, it's a different testimony when it's something that you have experienced. You know what I'm saying? That's a different, that's a, that would be like someone who's never been married before trying to give you marriage advice. Let me just give you some help if you've never been married and you're trying to tell married people how to be married. You don't know. <laughs> I know you read a book. I know you watched that, that little seminar and went to that conference. You don't know till you live with them. You heard Cynthia just now. She said, that's right. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to the grace of God, sometimes it seems more like a picture or an image than it does a reality. But God doesn't want you just to see a picture. He wants you to experience his grace. So I got a picture of a stake up here, which will kind of get you going. But what if I had a real stake up here? I wish I had a real stake up here today. Because oh, it was. Uh, here, here, here's, here's where I'm going with this. You can, you can see it. You can describe it. Don't go anywhere. We're not through with you yet. The Lord's not through with you yet, Benjamin. A little encouragement for you today. You can look at the picture and see it and describe it. But if you could taste and see, <laughs> it would change your life forever. See, a lot of us, we're trying to use our description of God's grace to help us in our weakness. But the description only makes you want it more. But the experience of it changes your life. So we have on here porterhouse steak and two baked potatoes. It's real, y'all. And I smell it. <laughs> Benjamin, can you smell it? Oh, you can smell it. And if I didn't have the microphone, I would go ahead and cut a piece of the steak. But because I love you so much, Benjamin, I want you to come and taste and see. Yes, I want you to take. There's a steak. See? 
And, 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 and I want you to understand that, that when people really see the grace of God, they come running. Yeah. I need you to see this. Look, he's not, and he went on the filet side. <laughs> the filet side. And look, he knows what he's doing. Look at that. I see the pink. Don't get juice on my iPad, please. Be careful. Go ahead, taste and see that the Lord is good. You can do it. <laughs> you ever been to church before and they ate steak right in front of you? Listen, we're a meat and potatoes church. You know what I'm saying? It's all right. It's good. Tell them how good it is. It's real good. <laughs> were you hungry today? Oh, real hungry. You can tell his whole voice has changed right now. He is just enthroned in the... Wait, say that again. I didn't have no breakfast. All I had was coffee. I was like, I was, I was praying like on the slide, like Jay would bring donuts today or something. <laughs> but the grace of God showed up. Sufficient for me. The Lord was sufficient in your weakness. His grace was sufficient. What are we going to do with the rest of this? You can have that side, but I get this side. Okay, you can take it away. You can take it away because I got to preach and I won't be able to with the grace of God in front of me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. The grace of God. It's not just a description. It's a real thing. And I feel like I have this enormous responsibility and assignment to convince you of the grace of God. Not in theory, but in practice. Because I think when it comes to the grace of God, we like it in theory, but we struggle with it in practice. And I want to break down the grace of God for you. And that's why I say I'm not sure I'm going to be able to finish today. But I need you to stick with me over the next couple of weeks as I unpack this. Because I truly believe this is going to change your life. And I know that sounds like a bunch of good, like, preacher commercialism kind of stuff. I really, really believe this will change your life. I want to rewind all the way back to the garden when God created man in the Garden of Eden. We know about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You ever heard about that tree before? There was a tr that tree in the garden, and God said, what? Don't eat from that tree. Remember? Did you know there was actually another tree in the garden called the tree of life? Yes, there was the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat it. But there was the tree of life as well. And man was presented with a decision. All right, y'all come along with me on this journey. And the decision was this. How are you going to live your life that God has given you? Are you going to live it by rules or are you going to live it by relationship? And this right here is the crossroads of living as a believer. It's am I going to be a rules person or am I going to be a relationship with God person? Because I would just go ahead and let the cat out the bag now. If you try to live by rules, you will always struggle. Not just in your relationship with God, but in every relationship and in every single thing that you do. Because here's the deal. No matter how good the rules are and no matter how well you manage them, you cannot keep them all. Look at your neighbor, because y'all looking at me like, you can't tell me that. Look at your neighbor and tell him, you can't keep them. You can't keep them all. And you know how we know that? Because you've already broken them. Every one of us in here, watch this. I'll use scripture. We have all sinned. 
and fallen short of the glory of God. Amen? We've all sinned, and we've fallen short of God's glorious standard. That means there were rules in place, but you and I, as good as we wanted to be and we tried to be, we still broke the rules. And so the rules was the wrong way to go because the rules only tell you, watch this, you're wrong. Mm. So man was presented with this decision, and what did man choose? He chose rules. Because he ate from the tree of the, watch this, knowledge of good and evil. And the knowledge of good and evil, guess what it is? It's rules. It's law. Fast forward to this guy named Moses. Come on, let's get, get past Wade. Tell me somebody familiar. Y'all remember Moses? Moses was the guy that went up the mountain and came down with the Ten Commandments. Y'all remember that? So now we got Ten Commandments that are written on a tablet of stone. It's basically these flat stones, and the finger of God literally wrote ten rules and commandments that we should live by. And Moses hadn't even made it down from the top of the mountain, and all the Israelites that were sitting in the valley, guess what? Already broke the rules. Can't even, the old man can't even get home from the job without the kids acting crazy. You know what I'm saying? I'm just trying to come home from work, eat my supper, because that's what we eat at our house. We ain't fancy. We eat supper. You eat dinner, we eat supper. Mine's probably better. No shots fired, okay? Moses couldn't even make it down the mountain. They had already broken all the rules. Think about this. There's this picture, this image that God had given them to look at, to follow for righteousness. And the picture was this stone tablet. It was two pieces of stone with all the rules inscribed on it. That's what God had put in place at the time. Now watch this. If you broke one of those laws, broke one of those rules, you had to atone for the wrongdoing that you have committed. And so you had to offer a sacrifice. That means something of value had to be given up so that you could receive forgiveness for your sins. And that's why you begin to read through the Old Testament where they were offering all these animal sacrifices because blood had to be shed for the forgiveness of sin. When the Bible says the wages of sin is death, listen, we can't just think a getaway scheme. We have to understand that something has to die in order that something can live. So sacrifice is the only atonement for sin. So when you look through the Old Testament, they just killing bull after bull, goat after goat, pigeon after pigeon. It's like, what ain't you killing to try to sacrifice to atone for man's sins? And here was the deal. As, as, as efficient... As the system of sacrifice look, it was never enough to fully pay the price. And that was the picture of grace that was in place. That was the picture of the stake. It was trying to get you to see, if you do all this and do all that, then you could be righteous, but it wasn't enough because I can't experience it. I can only hear about it. I can only learn from it. And it doesn't have the power to change me. It only has the power, watch this, to condemn me. That's all it can do. It has the power 
to condemn me and tell me when I am wrong. And the only thing that I can do under that system to prove that I'm right, watch this, is to brag. That's why the religious leaders, okay, you remember those guys? The religious leaders that conspired to kill Jesus? Remember those dudes? They were so full of pride that they couldn't even see the real grace of God that was coming in place. And so it looked like something that was foreign to their system because it tasted different. It didn't taste the way they had always described it tasting. It didn't taste like forgiveness. It tasted, their taste was condemnation, and this tasted like forgiveness. And it's like, surely that can't be God, because God is a God of justice. And he is a God of justice, but if if God ruled with the justice that you and I want him to rule with, none of us are here. We all gone. Think about that. It's always somebody else that we want God to show his justice to. That person you thought of a while ago when we were reading the scripture, Lord, justice. Use your justice on them. What about you? No, not me, Lord. I want your grace on my life. And so there's this law. There's these commandments. They're trying to earn righteousness, and no one could do it. They had an image, watch this, they had an image that they were trying to live up to, but it wasn't real. And when I began to break this down, I realized that's where we are. We have an image that we're trying to uphold, but we're missing out on the reality. We scroll through images Day after day, scrolling, 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 picturing righteousness and great living and fullness of life from other people who are just putting forth images and images and images. And we forget one of the commandments where he said, thou shall not have any image before me. We couldn't even keep it. We couldn't even keep that command. We're so driven by image. How we look. What's it look like? But why are we settling for images when we can settle, when we can receive the real thing, y'all? So when Jesus comes, it's not just a continuation. It's a new covenant. I need y'all to hear this. He made a new covenant. The Old Testament covenant was based on rules because that's what man chose. But now the New Testament covenant is based on relationship. And that's what God chose. Watch this for each and every one of us. See, man in the garden chose the forbidden fruit. But in the New Testament, God chose those who thought they were forgotten. See, now you're starting to get a taste of the grace of God. And the only way for this new covenant to be properly introduced, for this new covenant to properly be lived, it wasn't just to write the laws 
on a tablet, but it's to bring a real life example of someone who can live out every single one of these laws and everything that it demanded and everything that it commanded. There was only one person who could ever do it, and his name was Jesus Christ. And so when Jesus shows up on the scene, he is what? Grace and truth. It's not just a picture anymore. It's God in the flesh. It's not just words written on the page, but it's the word who is alive now as a person. And his name is Jesus. And so you and I, our whole description of Jesus is based off of little stories. But I want you to know you don't have to settle for a story. You can experience Jesus for who he really is. And when you experience Jesus for who he really is and you begin to receive and receive his grace and walk in his grace, it changes you. Watch this. Not from the outside, but from the inside out because now I have tasted and I've seen and I'm not trying to create an image he's creating a new me within me and give me some time because the newness that he's putting in me is going to show up on the outside of me starting to sound starting to feel like grace so here's my point we don't need a picture of a steak we need a real steak. Can I get an amen? How many of you are making plans for lunch today to go eat a real steak? (laughs) Hamburger steak, any kind of steak. Grace in place of grace. So let me define what grace is. And I know I'm already going over on time. What is grace? I'll I'll give you a simple definition. You might want to write these down. It's goodwill. I know that's like so generic, Pastor Wade. It's loving kindness. I know so generic. But watch this word, favor. It's literally the Lord saying, hey, I'm going to do you a favor. Hey, Lord, I'm in a bind. Can you help me? Well, you don't deserve it. But I'm going to do you a favor. Can Can I be that blunt with it? Because that's the reality. I'm in a bind. Can you do me a favor? You ever prayed that prayer before? Here's the definition. This is, this is the, the more comprehensive definition. It's the merciful kindness by which God, exerting his holy influence upon our souls, turns us to Christ, keeps, strengthens, increases us in our faith, knowledge, affection, And kindles us, that means sparks fire in us, to to the exercise of right living. Wow. That's a whole lot more than the little explanation of grace that we've been living. Because grace for a lot of us has just been grease. Tolerance for my craziness. But what if I told you there's so much more to God's grace for your life than just the version of let me off the hook? And this is the part why I feel so led to share this, because what I see happening in our world, listen to me, what I see happening in our world today is pride. Pridefulness at levels that are just out of control. And to read a verse like I read earlier where it says, God resists the proud but gives grace 
to the humble. I have to come before the body of Christ and ask us, are we walking in humility? Or are we walking in pride? Are we walking in humility when it comes to the grace of God? Or are we walking in pride when it comes to the grace of God? Bless the Lord, he has forgiven me of all. And then use it to elevate ourselves ahead of others, thinking that we're better than them because they don't live up to our standard. Thinking that God's grace doesn't work for them, it only works for me. I really believe that we've got some issues with grace, not just in our world, but in the church as well. And believe it or not, I believe grace is one of the most challenging topics for believers. And if you don't believe me, just read your Bible. Because Jesus came with grace and truth and they could not wait to get rid of him. Because it threatened, remember last week what we talked about? It threatened their operating system. Because their operating system allowed them to be in control. And you didn't want me to say it. It allowed them to be in control. But the grace of God does this. God, you have to be in control. Because it's too much. I can't handle it. I can't do it. You have to do it. I need a favor. I am in over my head. That's why in the weakness, Paul said, I can be strong. Because when God's in control, his strength is operating. A couple of things, and now I want to wrap up. The picture and the image of grace that you and I have had is this. We see grace as just a characteristic of Jesus. It's like how he gets when he's in a good mood. Seriously. Oh, yes, that's how we think. Oh, he's in a good mood today. Let's ask for everything. Oh, no, he's not in a good mood. Leave him alone. Just don't go. Don't leave him alone. Leave him alone. We see grace as conditional. And this right here is where it begins to challenge us. Because you and I, we believe that we deserve, but we don't believe everyone else deserves. And this is where the challenge comes. Because we see grace as conditional, meaning this, it depends on the person and it depends on the situation. Is God gracious? Well, it kind of depends on the situation and who the person is. Because that guy who's done really, really bad things that made the news, I don't think he gets the same grace as the little kids who were just innocently running across the playground and pushed little Johnny down. You see how, how easy it is to slide into this lawful, controlling mindset that we can even control the narrative, a.k.a. God's word? of how it needs to be. And instead of letting God be God, we begin to define him according to our preference. Oh, this is so important, y'all. So watch this. There are some times where we don't think we deserve God's grace. And can I just tell you this? This strong preacher talk, but I think this is the good place to do it. When you think you don't deserve grace, can I tell you, you're wrong. There are times when we think they don't deserve grace. And can I tell you, God still wants to give it to him. There are some times when we ask for grace only for ourselves or others. But it's only sometimes. Sometimes. You need the grace of God every day. Your day ain't done yet. I promise you, you need the grace today. Amen? Look at your neighbor and say, I need some. Tell him, you do too. <laughs> Watch this. There are times where we will show grace 
and won't it shown to us? And there are times we will not show grace to others, but we will still want it shown to us. Conditional grace. Sometimes we see grace as compromise. Tolerance. Because it's a buzzword in our culture. It is. And we love to use that kind of language because it makes us feel like we fit in. But can I tell you, grace isn't tolerance because something still has to be done with this sin. Amen? Something still has to be done with it. And there's a lot of stuff today that people aren't calling sin. That is sin, by the way. So I said it a few moments ago, grace isn't grease. So let me break it down for you. Grace isn't a characteristic of Jesus. It is Jesus. It's who he is. Jesus is grace. And watch this. Grace could not be what it is without Jesus. So you could say, oh, that person is a gracious person. The only way a person could be gracious is through the grace of God. That's it. It takes the grace of God. Here's another thing. Grace isn't conditional. It's not just who Jesus is. It's how he is. It's his operating system. I don't even like calling it that, but that's the closest thing I could come up with to help you to see. This is where he's operating from, his grace. And this challenges us because some of us got that, uh, uh, what's the word, Andre? We got the hellfire and brimstone in us. And we feel like we got to create some stuff to hold people in place. But can I tell you, it ain't working. Because the last time I checked, you never, ever had to give a person a license to sin. They were driving long before the legal age. Amen? Come on, you were breaking rules when you were a kid. You were lying when you were three. How'd you learn that? You didn't go to school yet and be around all those influences. It came naturally to you. Because we're born as sinners. That's why we needed a Savior. Amen? So grace, it's not a characteristic. It's the person. Grace isn't conditional. That's how he is. That's how he handles it. Even in wrath, God still uses mercy. You're not even that good. Once you lose it, you lost it. And he's still using mercy. Mm. Grace isn't a compromise. It's the only way to know God. Mm. To live for him. To do what he's planned for you. So this is where I want to wrap up today. I got so much more I want to say, but I got to finish. There's a few things the Lord, I really believe he put on my heart to say to you today. When it comes to the grace of God, next week I want to unpack some more of this. But some of you today, you're struggling. Struggling with some things. And it feels like it's a thorn just like we read a few moments, moments ago, it feels like it's a thorn. And the Lord is saying to you today, I want you to hear this. The Lord is saying to you today, he has given you grace for that struggle. I, I want to speak that not just to you, but I want to speak that into your life today. He has given you grace for that struggle. You say, Pastor Wade, I have prayed over and over and over for the Lord to take it away. Just like Paul prayed. And the Lord's response was, my grace is sufficient for you. His grace is sufficient for you. 
Some of us have allowed pride to enter into our hearts. You've become critical towards people. I I need you to hear me today. This is what I really believe the Lord wanted me to say. You've become critical towards people. You've become critical towards the church. You've become critical towards God. You've become critical towards even the people of God. They just think they're better than everybody. Look at them. That's just a little click. And the result is you can look. You've stopped praying. Oh, you'll pray with a group. But you don't pray for the group that you've become critical of. And there's this pride that's rising up. Stopped worshiping. You go through the motion, but the heart's disconnected. Come on now. I'm just, I'm just relaying what I felt like the Lord to say. And you're trying to figure out where is this resistance? Why do you feel like, watch this word, there is a separation. And I'm trying to be so careful how I say this today. Why do I feel like I'm not as close to God? Why do I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm becoming distance, distant from the church that I attend? I know, trust me, I'm walking in the fear of the Lord right now as I share this. It's a subtle spirit of pride. And it doesn't come on you all at once where you act like you got it all together. It's subtle. And it begins to grow in us like a weed. And if you look at weeds in a field, weeds tower over all the other grass. But it's not fruitful. It takes life instead of giving life. And that's what pride does. Know the difference between confidence and pride. Know the difference. Because a confidence person, confident person has something they're standing on and it's not themselves. Come on, somebody. Standing on the promises of God. I could be confident in the Lord without becoming prideful. And today, if you feel that sense, the sense that pride growing in your heart, today is the day to humble yourself before the Lord. He resists the proud, stiff arms the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And I feel like I got to say this right now. Be careful how you talk to the Lord. Don't overstep your relationship and think you can tell him whatever you want to tell him because you want to be your authentic self. Come on now. We must come before the Lord, yes, with confidence because of Jesus, but with reverence. Don't shake your fist at God like he ain't doing what you want him to do. Amen? Gosh. Lord, it sounded so much easier when you were telling it to me. There's some in the room today, you have unforgiveness towards someone. And you've justified it because it hurts so much. God wants to bring grace to you you got to be willing to give grace to them. you got to be willing to give grace to them. There's someone that you've got to forgive. And here's the last thing. There's some in the room. The Lord gave you an assignment. He gave you something to do. And either you haven't begun to do it, and you've come up with every reason why you can't, 
or you quit doing it and you've given every reason that you have. But God called you to it and if he called you to it, there's a grace for it. If he called you to it, there's a grace for it. And there's a lot of people, watch this, that are falling into burnout. And the reason that they're burning out is because they're trying to do it in their own strength and they're trying to fulfill an image. And when they don't feel like they can fulfill the image, they try to change it, put a filter on it. I mean, we could go there all day. Today, this is the call. And I want to finish with this last verse. Hebrews 4, this high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. Talking about Jesus. For he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So watch this. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it the most. And this is what I want to do this morning. If you need the grace of God, you're walking through it today. I just want you to step out of your seat. I literally want you to come to the front like you're coming to the throne of God. Come on, step out of your seat. Don't worry about the time. This is the time right now for the grace of God to be poured out into your life. Come on, there's others. You're worried about what people think. Quit worrying about people, man. Come taste. Come and taste. Come and taste. Come and taste the grace and let him put it in place. Let him put some grace in the place of the hurt. Let him put some grace in the place. Grace in the place. Come on, grace for marriages. Grace for raising kids. Grace for stepping in ministry. Grace for leading the business. Grace for living right. Grace to forgive that person. Come on, grace to heal from something that happened 23 years ago. Grace in place. Grace in place today. Grace in place. Grace in place today. Father, for every person that's down here at this altar today, Lord, I pray that they won't get up from here with just an idea of grace, but they will have tasted and seen that your grace is good, that it will be experienced and not just talked about, not just learned about, but it will be lived. It will come alive in them. So Lord, today I pray your grace over their lives as they humble themselves before you, Lord. Pour out your grace. Your grace. Pour out your grace in their lives. Grace. 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 For whatever it is you're down here for today, this is what I want you to say. Lord, your grace is sufficient. Come on, just tell him. Lord, your grace is sufficient. I know it's hard. I know it's heavy. I know it's a struggle. But his grace, it's sufficient for you, my man. It's sufficient for you. It's enough. It's what you've been looking for. It's what you've been needing. His grace is sufficient. It's sufficient. It's sufficient. It's sufficient. 
His grace is sufficient for you. It's enough. You say, I don't know what we're going to do. His grace. Come on, church, stand. Every one of us stand. His grace. Grace. Grace in place. You say, Pastor, I don't have answers. Let's put grace in that place. Say, Lord, I don't know what to do. Let's put grace in that place today. Grace in place. Grace in place. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, good news is grace showed up for you today. He can forgive every one of your sins and give you a brand new start. You say, oh, but Pastor Wade, if y'all knew what I've done, he already knows. And because he's unconditional, he's extending his grace because that's who he is and that's how he is. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want you to repeat this prayer today. Say, dear Lord, thank you for paying the price for all of my sins. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me so much that you took my place so that I could be forgiven, so that I could be made whole, so that I could be made right. So I give my life to you. I surrender my life to you. Put my faith and trust in you as my Savior. I receive your grace today. Lord, make me a new person. In Jesus' name, amen and amen, amen. If you pray that prayer today, yeah, you can clap. Maybe that was the first time you ever prayed that prayer.